Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. We are in the season finale. Can you believe it? Yes, this is the Abu Dhabi season final review. Let's go. So going into the season finale, that's, you know, um, always happens at the end of the year, of course. We've had some years where the championship was in balance. And of course, you know, there's a lot of tension and excitement. In the case of this year, as you guys well know, of course, all that has been taken care of earlier during the season. We all knew that, you know, Max Verstappen was the champion and Red Bull had so much of a gap where they were the constructor champions. So, you know, all that had been taken care of. So we knew that coming into, you know, San Marina and um, the, the track, uh, Yas Marina, excuse me, the, the track, the famous track with all the yachts and everything in Abu Dubai. But there's a, also, even with that being said, though, there was a lot to play for coming into this weekend. So as you guys know, there's a fierce battle for second in the constructors between Mercedes and Ferrari. And so, you know, it it wasn't like everything was decided and we didn't have something to look forward to. It was actually a really kind of tense battle as far as that. You had some really close battles as far as the drivers' championship and also Although most of us focused on, you know, the second and third uh, constructors battle for Mercedes and Ferrari, which was, like I said, very close and tantalizing. The other one that a lot of people were not paying attention to was Austin Martin and McLaren were vying for fourth and fifth. So that was another really close battle as well. Okay. So there, there were things to play for this weekend is what I'm trying to say. So we definitely had a lot of things to look forward to. And before I get it to, before I get into the race review, as always, of course, let's talk about qualifying. Uh, this was, this was a close qualifying. You know, we had seen the, the pace as has been the trend the last couple of, you know, races. We see that Ferrari over one lap always, uh, seemed to have a little bit of an edge. So, we definitely were thinking to ourselves, okay, I wonder if this is, you know, going to be the race that we might see something different, at least in qualifying, because it seemed like uh, Red Bull was struggling a little bit. Now, keep in mind, in FP1, this is the time of the year that you run your young driver program. So, you know, all the teams had uh, the junior guys that are not F1 racers yet. Some of them are F2 race champions or race winners. So a lot of good young talent was was in the cars testing. And I think it's great that F1 does that because some of these guys, of course, are going to go on and make the grid. And uh, there's a lot of talented young drivers there. So I'm glad they did that. But the point I was trying to make to you guys was so FP1 in a certain way was a little bit compromised because it wasn't your regular F1 drivers. So by the time those guys got in, it looked like Red Bull was struggling just from practice. But once qualifying came, of course, like <laughs> almost like every time we blink, you know, Red Bull had 
made all the adjustments that they need. So you had Max uh, qualify on the front row. Leclerc was very close. And then Oscar Piastri qualified third. And we have to mention real quick before I even get into the race review, um, Norris for McLaren, you know, who's been doing really wonderful in the races, this is now the third or fourth weekend where he has made a mistake in qualifying. And he was actually really hard on himself. Um, he was not happy at all. Um, he definitely is one of those drivers that if he's made a mistake, you know, unlike somebody like a Perez, it's, you know, in the interview afterwards, he's not going to tell you we as a team failed. The team didn't do X, Y, and Z. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about Norris is he really takes accountability immediately. And he was really unhappy with himself um, as far as that mistake went. So that's kind of what handed Oscar Piastri the third place. All right. So, you know, we have, of course, a spicy grid now knowing that, hey, Max and Leclerc, you know, these guys at the front, uh, you know, they have history, you know how unrelenting Max is. So we were all looking forward to Sunday and seeing what is going to happen, especially, like I said, at the start before you even have the DRS um, enabled. Okay. So race day comes, and of course, as we suspected, you know, there was a huge lunge, um, you know, between Verstappen and Charles Leclerc on the run to the first corner. And what was unbelievable to see was Leclerc actually for a split second had the jump on Max. His car was slightly ahead. So, you know, you're kind of at the edge of your seat like, oh, is this going to be a takeover by Leclerc? But somehow, some way, and I, I don't know how Max continues to do this, He def Max defended aggressively. And then what happened was he cut across and Leclerc was not um, able to go ahead and, and, and take over. Leclerc actually had to slot behind Max. So even, you know, at the beginning, like you would think that, you know, Max would be like, hey, I have the championship in hand. Let me not risk maybe a front wing or an encounter. You know, it was just immediately like exiting turn turn five. Like they were literally side by side. And uh, it was just unbelievable to see how, Max is just, again, you know, we, we've talked about it during the season. There's no let up. It doesn't matter. It's at the beginning of the lap, uh, excuse me, beginning of the race. He is just relentless in his defense. And he was not about to allow Leclerc. Le, like I'm telling you guys, Leclerc was slightly ahead at a certain point. But somehow, someway, Max defended and got it back before the next set of turns. So that was just unbelievable defense to see that. And he went ahead and kept the lead. And so Leclerc is behind it. Now, further down, so what we saw was, you know, um, Norris of McLaren, he was really keen to make up for the qualifying mistake that he did. So what he did was he went ahead and cleared Piastri. Um, he did that in turn five and six. So he was doing that. Now you have a couple of cars to con 
to contend with. So Russell was still in fifth. You have Sonoda, who's, by the way, I have to mention, who's been doing an unbelievable job. And he actually really finished the season with a high. He had a really good qualifying. He had a really good weekend. He is really um, kind of shining at the end of the uh, of, of the season to to prove to AlphaTauri that he definitely deserves the seat. And when mentioning AlphaTauri, you also have to give actually the entire team some kudos because their car was really, really underperforming for a vast majority of the year. But they brought an upgrade late during the season. I mean, they literally introduced it excuse me, introduced it uh, four or five races before the end of the season. And, you know, that upgrade has literally turned around their season. And it's actually gotten them one or two steps higher in the constructors. It's really turned and rescued their season around. So you have that going. So you had uh, a sequence of basically Sonoda, Alonso, Gasly and Perez and of course Hamilton who were kind of battling it out and you know we have to when I mean I'll get into it a little bit deeper with Hamilton and just Mercedes the contrast between Russell and Hamilton this weekend but Hamilton had a really another rough um, qualifying you know he was eliminated from the top 10 um, during qualifying and when you see what Russell did with the same machinery, you know, Russell had a very, very good weekend. So it's been interesting, just this um, current Mercedes car, just the the up and down um, contrast that you see. But it's not even just at Mercedes. You you know, you see it at Ferrari between Sainz and Leclerc. Um, there's just this this big, huge swings between teammates and, um, you know, could be partially due to the ground effect cars that we have nowadays. But um, yeah, like I said, you know, I'm talking about the Mercedes guys, which I'll come back to with Hamilton, but signs for Ferrari, speaking of uh, teammates, that was another guy that had a disastrous Saturday because he had a huge crash. So on a weekend where, you know, Leclerc not only is driving, the, the tires of the car, but he was almost close to getting pole. Uh, you contrast that with signs that had a really heavy shunt. Um, you know, they had to repair the car. And what happened was essentially you can tell over the weekend, even in the, even in the race, uh, beyond qualifying, he like science had just lost his confidence. You can tell that, you know, the, again, the car qualified really badly. Uh, Ferrari definitely had him on a, on alternate strategy, which ended up really, really backfiring. So that's kind of the contrast with Ferrari this weekend. Um, you know, a little less drastic than Mercedes, but the, the same thing essentially happened to both teams where, one teammate did extremely well, and then the other teammate just had a disastrous weekend. And so, like I said, that happened to Hamilton, uh, who did who did fare much better than Sainz. But Hamilton had his own incidents too, and I'll get to that later on. Okay, so 
Um, like I said, as the race was going on, you know, Verstappen really continued to lead over Leclerc. Now, you know, once DRS was enabled, he was actually over a second uh, faster. So, you know, it was not allowing Leclerc to kind of get close to him in order to utilize any passes. Um, Norris was also doing really well. Now, Piastri pretty soon had Russell in his mirrors. Um, and of course, you know, they were having to really look because Russell also had to look at the McLaren in his back mirror. And, uh, you know, he had to be careful that they don't overtake him. So um, they had that going. And then finally, Russell made a move and he actually passed uh, Piastri. And then there were cars right behind that were also making moves. So things were happening. And, um, you know, by I would say about lap 15, that's when uh, Norris and Russell, they both pit together. But what was happening was the McLaren pit crew kind of had a small delay and a mistake. And what that did was that actually allowed Mercedes to go ahead. It, it was a, a very minor um, mistake during the stop. But, you know, these are the fine mar margins that you have in F1. And of course, when that happens, you know, that allows another team to, to go through. So that allowed him to go through. I told you guys earlier, I'll definitely come back to some of the things that were going on in the other Mercedes of Hamilton. And so with Hamilton, what happened was there was a lockup from Gasly. Um, this was right around the turn six, seven chicane. And, and that caused Hamilton, uh, that caught him by surprise. And that caused him to go ahead and uh, basically kind of hit the the rear of the Alpine. Now, the the damage was not severe, um, thankfully, for Hamilton. It, this could have been really bad, but they, they clipped a little part of the front wing. So um, that, that happened. And I've said to you guys in previous uh, podcasts as well, for some odd reason, and it may be the way maybe this year's car handles, but I've never experienced a year where Hamilton has had this many either coming togethers or just like in this race alone, there was at least, you know, of course, the one I just mentioned, I think he had a second incident as well. There's never been a year that I remember Hamilton, you know, having the incidents this year where he's crashed into his teammate, he's he's nudged a lot of cars or you know, it's a lot. And again, I, I'm I'm thinking and attributing some of it to just his uh, being uncomfortable with the way this car, um, with the way it handles. But you have to remember up and down the pit lane, even with the almighty Red Bull, you know, even that car is not the easiest to drive. And I'll come back to that a little bit later on. But it, it has been such a dominating machine. So um, you you had a couple of stops happen now that we're getting to kind of the midway mark uh, with the race. Um, the clash with Gasly that I was telling you about with Hamilton, uh, the stewards actually um, investigated that and they said no action taken. Okay, so 
yeah, you had just different things happening at that point. And of course, as I told you guys, Norris is now making up spots um, down the line with Alpine. Gasly has been a driver that has really had some really good, impressive results within the last four or five weeks. He was uh, voicing some frustration actually during the race to his team. Um, he was asking why they were so slow and, you know, he was asking, um, is there some damage caused by the contact he had with Hamilton? So that was going on. Now, another driver, speaking of Red Bull, that we hadn't mentioned was, of course, you know, let's talk about Perez, the, the second, the second driver. And of course he locked in, uh, let's remember even before coming to this finale race, uh, in Abu Dhabi, he had locked in second for the driver's championship. And so, um, you know, that is the first time Red Bull have actually ever had that happen. So you can just tell what a, what a great year it's been for this team. Um, it's just been incredible. Um, it, you know, it's unbelievable what they've achieved. But I'll go into that in detail a little bit later on, especially when it comes to Max, you know? So like, a, you know, the, the repeated case has been throughout the season. Of course, there was another poor qualifying for Perez. And, you know, we've said this so many times where, you know, this is just such a theme for Perez where, you know, he always makes life harder for himself because he there's usually mistakes. He usually qualifies uh, really at the back of the grid. And of course, during the race, now he has to make up places and, and go up. So he was definitely doing that throughout this race. Um, he was making um, making gains. And, you know, once, you know, there, there was... The, the pit stop window was happening. Uh, Mercedes called Russell in, um, you know, to see for a stop. And Russell was actually on the radio asking, hey, is there a way that we can make one stop work? But the team ultimately decided they're going to go ahead and do the two stop, you know, with the tires and everything. That just made a lot of sense. Now, when, when Russell made that move, that also forced uh, Leclerc and Ferrari to respond. So they went ahead and changed their tires. So it's it, that kind of started the, the second wave of stops. Now, it was close after this point that, as I was telling you guys with Hamilton, I told you guys it was one incident. Well, the second incident was... They almost came together with Alonzo as well. And in this situation, actually, I think Alonzo was definitely a fault because um, Hamilton came on the radio and said he felt like Alonzo was brake testing him. Alonzo dramatically, you know, slowed down. Um, and so I can definitely I can definitely see how that really um, affected Hamilton. So that was almost about to be a really bad accident and thankfully he did not. But going back to Perez, as I was mentioning you guys, so he went ahead and when he did his stop, now he went to hard tires. So that ended up making him come out in sixth position. So they were definitely doing, doing that. And um, he finally, towards, you know, the latter part of the stage, Perez was actually now at the end, um, at the rear of Norris's car. And what happened was this was 
right around lap 48. So he attempted a move. This was right around the turn six, seven chicane. And he actually banged wheels with Norris's car, with his McLaren. And of course, Norris was immediately on the radio and said he crashed into me. Um, and of course, like it usually always happens, Perez was on the radio um, mentioning to his team he turned into me. As I always tell you guys, one driver says one thing, another driver says the exact opposite. So the stewards definitely looked at the situation. And if you actually looked at it, this was definitely a fault of Perez. And and so when we talk about this season in the context of this, you know, being the final season, as I said to you guys, I'll really cover after I do the race analysis just what kind of numbers and what historic things that Max and Red Bull have achieved together. But the contrast to that is not just how far back in points Perez is. It's not just that. It's also, you know, struggling in the qualifying aspect. He's had so many weekends Perez has you know, even though he's a decent driver, he's a good driver, but there's so many shortcomings and failings that he's had. And if you look at it and actually analyze these races, going back to exactly what happened with Norris, not only has he had issues during qualifying, but think about all the incidents he's had in races. And this was another one. And so Norris was very frustrated over the radio and once the stewards were um, f finished investigating it, he was actually second, uh, he was given, excuse me, a five second penalty. Okay. So now we get to a very interesting aspect of the race. You know, keep in mind, as I told you guys, there's a very tantalizing battle between Ferrari and Mercedes. And so with Leclerc being ahead, once this happens, he now radios the pit wall and he asks them, um, you know, what can I do to kind of help in this constructor fight? You know, uh, because he was told that Perez has a five second penalty. And so what Leclerc tries to do, and like I said, this was fascinating how as a race driver, you're doing the race. Leclerc made a suggestion, a strategy suggestion that he was going to do. And again, what's amazing is with Ferrari, you have a whole pit wall. And yet a lot of times this year, what we've seen is it's the drivers, whether it's Sainz or Leclerc, that's actually, they're the ones that are suggesting uh, a strategy or a technique a lot of times, nine times out of 10 better than what the team strategy is. So if you can imagine you're driving the car at 220 miles per hour, and these guys have the intelligence to also come up with scenarios that the team didn't even come up with. That's highly impressive. But so what um, Leclerc decides to do is he goes ahead and decides to, um, you know, to drop behind and let Perez pass him. So what he's trying to do is he was seeing if he could build a five second gap back to Russell. Again, you know, really kind of interesting, smart analysis. Of course, it's very hard to carry that over because 
you know, Leclerc has to also make sure he doesn't get taken over, you know. So it's a, it's an interesting um, way of thinking that what he did in order to see if he can go ahead and salvage second place for Ferrari, okay. But in the, in the end, um, it actually didn't, you know, work out. So uh, basically, once they crossed the line, it was Verstappen, it was Leclerc. And then when the penalty was applied, um, Russell came in third. So that actually gave Mercedes as a team the second uh, P2 position over Ferrari in the constructors. So that's a huge achievement for Mercedes. You know, there's a lot of work. Um, that took place to recover that. There was a lot of races where Mercedes might not have been the second fastest, but between the work of Russell and Hamilton, they maximized on the points. And that's what really kind of helped them um, gain this P2. And I really have to say one other thing um, as far as Mercedes securing this P2 and I didn't know this prior to the race, but Russell, you guys, Russell was actually extremely sick. So once the race was finished in the interviews and everything, he was coughing. He couldn't even laugh. Um, he mentioned in the car he was coughing, you know, pretty much every other minute or so. So, you know, you can imagine you were that sick, but you're giving it 110 percent. Um I wasn't, like I said, like most people, was not even aware he came into the, the race six. So kudos to him. And that just lets you know just the importance of this race to these drivers, especially to Mercedes, especially to Ferrari. They're putting in maximum efforts and um, they they to come up with that achievement. That's unbelievable. So that was fantastic. As I said to you guys, this was a really tough race for Hamilton. Um, actually, in the end, um, which was crazy, he was actually overtaken by Sonoda. Um, but he was still, I believe he salvaged at least one point. So the McLaren pair, Norris and Piastri, they were fifth and sixth. Then Alonso followed, then Sonoda, and then it was Hamilton. And uh, so, yeah, he came, Hamilton came in ninth, and then Stroll for Austin Martin completed 10th position and Austin Martin is another one that I have to mention you know they we've talked about this before they had such a strong start to the season um they were literally the second fastest car at the beginning of the season but then once Mercedes and Ferrari um raised their game up then they really really fell off so they've actually within the last two races <clears throat> They have showed a lot of pace. Uh, we know, you know, Alonso is always going to give you the maximum. Like I said, he came in seventh in this race. Um, yeah, he there was a really, really strong performance um, by, you know, those guys. So they, they you know, it's it's been an interesting recovery. Like the worst thing that you would not want um as a team is, you know, they had a really bad slide and you didn't want to go in the summer break, um, you know, to to carry that on. They actually made a recovery the last two races. So, yeah, that's really great. You know, so that 
really kind of covers for you guys the overall way the race went. But we have to talk about it. And I said this in the middle. I, I said to you guys, there's no way to cover a season finale without talking about what Red Bull has achieved, what Max has achieved. You know, you were talking about this is now 19 victories that he has secured from 22 races. Okay. Uh, again, let that sink in. That is a level of domination that we have not seen from any driver. And we're talking about the Schumacher era. We're talking about the Mercedes era of domination that lasted for eight years with Hamilton, with all those championships, the seven championships. This has been, this has not been seen before. This has been incredible to see the level of performance we've seen from Max Verstappen. Um, by the way, when this season caps, which is finished now, he now is, for people who may not realize this, he's now in third place. This is Max of all time F1 Grand Prix winners. Okay, that is third of all time, not of this generation, not of the last 10 years, third. By the way, if you guys want to take a guess who the two people are, I think most people will know. It's a gentleman by the name of Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton. Those are the only two drivers that are ahead of him now. So it is, you know, it has been an amazing, amazing run. Now, um, as a good friend of mine um, noted today, we all know what a dominating piece of machine Red Bull has built. This RB19 has been an absolute spaceship. But what I'll contend to you guys and what I will propose is there's not been a world champion that has not had a dominant car. Talk to Michael Schumacher, talk to Lewis Hamilton, talk to Alonso when he had his championship with Benetton. You need a good race car to have a championship. Now, are all race cars made the same? Of course not. This was a dominating car. But you know what's interesting? I listened to reports today, and especially from people in F1, and you know what? None of these cars are easy to drive. There's no such thing. So even the Red Bull, actually, from people within the team, from comments that not only Perez, but actually Max Verstappen himself have said that car is not the easiest to drive in slow corners. You know, it, it's very, it has a very wide um, window where it, from track to track, it has a performance window that's greater than any other car out there. And you cannot doubt that. It, it's absolutely, with the exception of Singapore this year, that car, whether it's a high-speed track, low-speed track, it, it, it's had an amazing depth, especially in the hands of Max Verstappen. But don't get it twisted. It, it still doesn't mean it was an easy car to drive. It was just the most adaptable. It had the most speed. And when you say those sentences, you also have to tip your cap off to what an amazing job the designer and chief technical officer of Red Bull, Adrian Newey, has done. You really have, what they have achieved, and we don't want to overstate anything or, you know, exaggerate anything, but this is just 
looking back, and this is, of course, a season finale review, you know, no matter what team you support, I have to give you guys an analysis that's always accurate, that's always truthful, and that's, you know, encompasses all the information you need to know. And it it is, no matter what team you support, the facts are this type of season and domination by one driver and the, the car they built, we may never see this again. This was an unbelievable achievement. And if you think it's just the car that you need, the only thing you have to look at is look at his teammate Perez and the gulf in points that there is. It's unbelievable in the same machinery. So, yeah, Max has has done an unbelievable, unbelievable job. As I told you guys, he capped it. But, you know, Charles Leclerc did a, a really good effort for his team Ferrari. But at the end, it was... It was Mercedes that captured that P2 spot and then Ferrari came in third. Okay. So that really caps um, the 2023 season for us. I understand, of course, as race fans, to watch all this domination, this is not what most of us want to see. We want to see Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, and even Austin Martin and just the other teams. We want to see them battle. We want to see to be competitive. So one can only hope next year will bring that. But, you know, within saying that, there's still some really good races that we saw. Uh, you know, again, yes, there was a domination. That's not what most of us want to see. But it still was a good season. It still was some amazing qualifying, some amazing races. And like I said earlier, all I can hope for is that you know, Mercedes and specifically Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, the, the guys that have really built fast machines, I hope they build cars that can at least compete with Red Bull next year. Well, everyone, this brings us to the conclusion of this season finale review. And of course, as always, I want to just extend such a big thank you to all the listeners who have supported me from every part of the globe. Uh, the membership as far as the listeners keeps on increasing, and I hope that continues. Um, just because the season is over, um, it doesn't mean there won't be any podcasts from me. Um, they, I will continue to do special podcasts until we're right back to the season opener and testing. And by the way, that's <laughs> it's going to come around really, really fast. So uh, I definitely appreciate you all and want to extend that uh, from myself to you. Definitely want to wish everybody happy holidays. And um, that would be it. And I will catch you guys again pretty soon. Take care.